You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Normally, I introduce my guests with a kind of shortened rundown of their resume, as it were, as in my guest today is Professor So-and-so. He's written 12 books, et cetera. But today is certainly going to be it's going to come from a different angle. I will instead read directly about Daniel Gosser or Daniel G, as he goes by, from the bio on his website. So without further ado, my guest today is a businessman loving father, I'm sorry, loving husband, godfather, man, former drunk for over 30 years, former needle junkie, former full-time asshole, <laughs> I can relate to that one, empathetic, extremely sensitive, even childlike naive at times, and full throttle for the men I coach, or well, he coaches. You see, Daniel G. is a life coach and public speaker. These days, he, and again, I'm using his words, make shitty men less shitty <laughs> and uh, and even make awesome men more awesome. His motto is stop arguing about what a good man should be. Become one. He joins me now from Zurich, Switzerland. Welcome, Daniel G. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, well, Daniel, one reason I asked you on the program, what what brought you into my circle of attention, so to speak, is I started noticing your posts on LinkedIn. And when that happens for me, I usually follow that person a little more closely. Uh, I kind of social media stalk them or, well, you know, I ring the bell. And so that I get notified when you post. And that's because, and with no offense to anyone who might be listening, who I haven't asked on the show yet, there's a lot of bullshit out there. I'm just going to say it. There are some life co- there are some life coaches out there that I wouldn't want to coach my kid if I had one in little league soccer or football. Um but I can not only can I see the authenticity of what you post, it's it's generally very valuable insight. And it's pretty much all good stuff, even the dancing. I saw the, the recent one. <laughs> <laughs> So my my question is this, before we go a little into your backstory, I want to actually dive right into the heart of something you talk about a lot. What do you mean by our emotions are our real power? You say emotions aren't the enemy, but one of our biggest assets. Explain what you mean by that. It's actually quite easy. Let's approach it from a chemical, energetical uh, level. Um, It's one of the highest energy a human being can emit. Uh, One of the most intense frequency we send out are emotions. And if you think about that a little bit, that means that it's actually, quote unquote, a weapon in a positive way. You Mm -hmm. can use to emit frequencies and why it's an asset it's because a lot of people believe that emotions are something that is just happening to us Mm. but 
the fact is, and you know that as a as a Zen fetishist, um, that we create emotions and we are actually able to master our emotions and to guide them in a good direction. Mm. And that's why it's an asset because it's very simple. If I walk around smiling, people will smile back at me, right? Obvious. And if I walk around frowning, well, then I'm I don't have to be astonished that people are frowning back at me. Mm. So it's up to us what frequency we want to emit. And by emotions, we can, as I said, emit highly intense frequencies. So, well, what about like, you, you know, when someone reads something like that, that, that our emotions are a power or an asset, you know, my honestly, when I read it, my first thought was like, I, I guess I thought about, how should I describe this? Overly emotional people, like people that just kind of wildly uh, are upset at seemingly the smallest little detail. What well, that's not what you're talking about, is it? Or I mean, differentiate between people who just, you know, uh, they they spill the milk and they they start crying. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, we, you know, that's not something to to get upset about. Just clean up the milk and just pour you a new glass. But what about people who get so emotional over the littlest thing? What do you mean about control your emotions? What I mean by that is, is, is exactly that. If you are emotional, you're not in control. Um, to take your example, if I, if I cry about spilled milk, I have an issue. And uh, <laughs> if you're listening and you are like that, call me right away. DM me, message me, email me. Right, don't wait because you have some issues, dude, really. <laughs> Um, the thing is that if you are emotional, then, as I said, emotions are happening to you. If you control your emotions, um, you decide what you want to feel and how you want to feel. Well, I think the um, question—I think the question that a lot of people would have at that mo at that point is, well, how do you control emotions? Because emotions seem so. Well, I mean, I don't mean to be repetitive because you did say like we we say that we're controlled by our emotions instead of controlling them. I guess I'm trying to get at it is like, well, how do we even begin to get a handle on things that seemingly just happen that upset us? I think, OK, I think we need to zoom out a little bit and maybe I will, will uh, chase away some people, but. Um, the concept of a human being, as I see it, and it's it's very ancient, actually, is that we are a higher consciousness on a journey as a human being. Mm -hmm. I see you nodding. I run in open doors with you. I know that. But <laughs> a lot of people don't get that concept. So we we actually want to be alive. We are a higher consciousness. Who wants to experience what it means to live in a three-dimensional uh, binary world. Uh, by binary, I mean day and night, male and female, etc., etc. Right. So with that package, human being comes a body, comes an ego, a me thinking, comes thoughts and emotions. Mm. And it's part of the package. It's like if you have a car that has a radio in it. 
the radio doesn't happen to you. You happen to the radio. Right. So, and the, the proof of that for me is that try to not think for a while. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. It's just part right. of the package. It thinks. Exactly. All you can do is decide what you want to think. Yeah. So I can stand up in the morning, for example, and say, oh, today it's going to be a shitty day. I'm going to be surrounded by a bunch of idiots and nothing's going to happen good to me. And guess what will happen? That. <laughs> that. So you come back in the evening and say, I knew it. Life sucks. Right? So that's the control. Mm-hmm. And astonishingly, and don't ask me why, in negative, it seems to be easier to do that than in positive. But I think that's part of the challenge, that's part of the journey. Yeah. So if I stand up in the morning and as soon as my feet touch the ground, I say, yes, yeah. baby, this day is going to be awesome. I'm an awesome man. Life is incredibly interesting. And I'm going to smile at people and people are going to smile back at me. Well, yeah. Guess what happens? I'm going to have an awesome day. Yeah. And that's what I say. So we do that. We we all know and read about mindset change and yada, yada, yada. That's exactly on the thought level. Mm-hmm. Now, on the emotion level, it's a little bit more difficult because emotions are bound to the body. Mm-hmm. And as it happens is that the communication from the brain to the body is a little bit slower than the other way around. This is for natural security reasons, surviving aspects, et cetera, et cetera. If the body has a problem, we need to know quick, right? So even if I change my mindset and I send this message to the body, hey, I want to feel good today, but the body has memorized over the years so much negativity, it will send back the message, no, it sucks. Right. I, I think that's, I think you answered your question before. You're like, I don't know why it's easier that we, you know, sink into the sort of negative mindset versus a positive one, you know, it's a little more difficult to kind of, you know, get on that uh, playing field of being positive all the time. We, we sink down to the negativity easily. I think it's, it might be even Darwinian survival, like, you know, just a kind of instinct to like be suspicious of everything just so that as a, as an animal, we needed that to kind of survive as a species. But then now that we've evolved and we are operating on a higher level of consciousness, you know, it's a little more effort to get to that positive realm. I, that's just my hunch on why it's easier to sink into the negativity than it, it is in the, you know. Yeah, positivity. it could be. But as you said, we evolved now and we are highly spiritual divine beings. So right. um I think Darwin would be agreeing with both of us if we say, yeah, okay, fine, we got it. We were animals once back in the time, even though I don't believe that, but that's another story. That is, Yeah, that's another episode. <laughs> uh, I'll I tell you what, but it's an interesting uh, idea, an interesting thing to talk about. Can you can you share more about, uh, a little bit about your personal journey from emotional deprivation, addiction, self-destructive behaviors, and and we are talking about heroin and alcohol, right? To becoming a coach who helps men embrace their emotions, what exactly was the turning point or realization that made you understand the importance of emotions in a man's life and led to you to change your own perspective? So um, my wife, um, who is my greatest supporter for over 20 years now, 
she always tried to, to show me that being overly sensitive, to put it that way, is not a liability. It's an asset and a great asset. But I, I couldn't cope. I couldn't manage. You know, when someone, uh, a grocery bag explodes or, or breaks down and all the milk and all the good, good stuff is on the floor and an old lady is trying to gather it all together, it makes me cry. Yeah. And I always thought that it's not good for a man to be so sensitive, right? Because a man has to be strong and right. terminator-like and whatnot. <laughs> and that, that actually that tore my, my soul apart, you know? And it, it started even at the age of seven or so. I went to my dad and I said, listen, something's wrong with the world, isn't it? Because I sensed it. Things are going sideways, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what do you say to a seven-year-old? Yes, you're right. We're pretty much screwed. No, you don't because you, you want to protect your little boy and say, no, everything is fine. But the more people kept saying me everything is fine, the more I started to think that I was wrong, which I today know I wasn't. Right. I was just very sensitive and I had a big intuition. So that, that was like a break apart. Like, okay, I'm wrong. Mm. What can I do to make it right? Nothing, because I wasn't. So that led to addiction. That led to uh, uh, abu abusive use of practically everything there is to abuse of. Nice. Um, and then I met my wife, and she tried to teach me that, hey, everything is cool. You're an awesome man, and your, your sensitivity is a great asset. Mm. And it took her quite uh, like 20 years plus. <laughs> <laughs> because well, besides of being oversensitive, I'm a stubborn asshole. <laughs> um, and it took a car accident, uh, drunk, of course, from which I walked away totally unharmed. Yeah. But that wasn't even the turning point. The turning point was the next day when we, were, when we went to the, the scrapyard to get the things out of the car mm -hmm. and I expected my wife to give me a speech about it give me a lecture about it and she stayed silent she didn't say one word she didn't even look at me mm. um, and that hit me in the belly that was the punch in the stomach that said okay now I'm done I have to change something and it's even I feel it even now it's six years ago or so but that was the moment yeah. And then I decided, okay, I have to change. Step one, get rid of booze. Yeah. And it took me another one and a half year to find a, a good method, um, which I coach, by the way, um, to get rid of booze. Yeah, you you have you have a 30-day program that you offer. And this is separate than your life coaching thing. You've got a 30-day program that you help uh, people overcome addiction to alcohol. Uh, it's at quitthebottle.com. Without giving everything away here, what, what's unique about it? How does it differ from a traditional 12-step program? Um, the, nothing against the 12-step the program. It really helps a lot of people to stay away from alcohol. Mm. That's, I have to say, as a disclaimer. And this program is not for heavy alcoholics. So if you have trembling hands in the morning before you had your first drink, no, don't touch this program. It won't help you. 
this program is so for functional drinkers like I was. Ah, okay. You yeah. couldn't tell that I had an alcohol problem, mm. right? I was functioning. I was just I know a lot of, I know a lot of people like that. Functional yeah. alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. I was just drinking 10 to 15 liters of beer a day, which is way too much, obviously. Um, so this is for this kind of people. Okay. You know, and it's it's basically a mindset operation, a mindset surgery. Mm-hmm. where we look at alcohol as what it actually is. It's a, a highly ingenious trap for two reasons. It's smoothly addictive, mm. and society is totally okay with it. Right. These are the two main factors that make you become a functional drinker. And then once you have a problem, it's up to you. You get a label, you're a drunk, bam, now you have a problem and you will never be whole again. Right. Leave us alone with your problem. But before that, you're, you're suggested to drink, you're suggested to be social. It's mm. totally okay to drink. And that's, that are the two main reasons. So the first thing to do is to take away that blame. It's, like it's not your fault. You decided to drink, okay, but you, you stepped into a trap. Mm. And slowly, surely, with one video a day and some calls, we get you to think, oh, right, yeah. And if I stop drinking, it's not a sacrifice. It's actually I give something up, which is obviously not good for me. Hmm. I'd say it's 50-50 of the people who do it, it works. And for the other hey, if you've got a 50% success rate, that's amazing <laughs> because uh aa that you know is like five percent or something like that maybe ten percent i don't know but it you know f- uh 50 pe- people 50 percent you know go away and uh have the ability to overcome their problems that that's a great thing um it, you know but compared to life coaching where you work over yeah. three, four months with people, you have like 80, 85% of success. Well, let's that's about, why I say it's it's low. Yeah, let's go back to that. Let's talk about uh so you're a life coach for men. <clears throat> um, let's hypothetically say I came to you as a client. Run me through the process, uh, or or what's step one? You know, and, and I, I did I did download your ebook. Uh, I think step one of that process was like understand your story. What does that mean exactly? Or what, you know, what would you do if I came to you and said, Daniel, I want to hire you as my life coach? What, what do you, how do you start? First question, why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm okay. So I'm going to play the game, although I'm not unhappy. I'm actually pretty happy dude, but uh, let's just say uh, I'm unhappy. I feel unfulfilled. Uh, I work in a cubicle nine to five and it sucks. Is this all life is? No, certainly not. Otherwise, you wouldn't have reached out to me. So first of all, we, we, we would find out at what point in your story it pivoted. Hmm. Uh, when you actually were happy with your life. Hmm. And then we put a lot of light, a lot of spots on that moment. Hmm. Because that's the thing. That something happened there. It might be as a boy, it might be as a 20-year-old, it might be whenever. Right. And when we can like, find out what happened and then how we can come back to that moment, nice. to that state of being. Some, somewhere along the way, that, per, that hypothetical person lost their way 
and you're bringing somehow them, yeah and you're bringing them back to that point oh, that's good because I, i'm the older i get the more i'm convinced that we're born happy yeah i think so the basic the basic setup is happy mm. so we have to get back to that state it's not something that we have to create out of thin air mm. it it's there it's somewhere yeah and the thing is how to dive down there and find out nice and then the next step would be okay um uh, uh, like an intermediate step of these three steps is okay what would you make happy to do instead of sitting in a fucking cubicle all day long (laughs) which is horrifying by the way it is Um, absolutely (laughs) and then once we find that out we would say okay let's let's play a little bit with emotions because that's why you're coming. You you want to have these emotions and you want to become the CEO of your emotions. So we start to play around with it. As an example, I had a man who was afraid to get angry at his wife because she's a bitch, basically. But <laughs> as we don't know who it is, it doesn't matter, right? Right. <laughs> and but he loved her dearly, and she loved him, kind of. So you know, oh, I'm not going to go into this, but. <laughs> He was so afraid to get angry that he he buried it all down deep inside. And so I had to find out what would happen if he gets angry. Would Mm. he kill the whole household or or (laughs) whatever? And once we established that, no, he's a very kind man, the only thing that would happen would be like hitting the fist on the table and walk away. Right. And I brought him to do that. To say, okay, get angry, man. You're a man. You're allowed. To be angry if you are truly angry. Right. So you're not you're, angry. Right. You're not advocating um, violence. You're not saying hit her. You're saying hit the table, walk away. If you're angry, you're angry. Right. The thing is, if we don't allow ourselves to be in this emotion, we're never going to master that. Yep. I agree. When I get angry, it's like for two minutes. Can <laughs> right. I get angry? You know? <laughs> and then I know, okay, anger is not one of the best emotions we know. So, okay, right. I allow myself to be angry, and then I walk away, or I calm down, or I do a little meditation. In the worst case, I go hit the boxing back. Yeah. But, and then you notice, okay, I'm starting to master that anger, and it becomes less and less, and more and more positive emotions are allowed to be there as well. I love it. I I, I agree 100%. I uh you know, I talk about Zen and whatnot, but that doesn't mean I don't get angry. I, I get angry. I get sad. I feel all of those things because bottom line, Zen or no Zen, I'm a human being. <laughs> those yes. things happen to me. And, uh, you know, but I I do have a a, a fairly decent uh, sense of mastery over those things. If I get angry, I recognize it. I'm like, OK, I'm pretty pissed off about this thing right now. And I go for a walk. Or I, I also have a punching bag out in the garage, actually. So I'll go wail on that a little bit. And, you know, a couple of minutes later, I calm down, realize what's going on. But, yeah, I don't I don't resist it. I do. I do sort of accept like, OK, I'm upset right now. I'm sad right now. I, I'm, you know, I'm angry right yeah. now. And, and I then another what, thing happens is that one, once you calm down, you start asking yourself, yeah, but why? Yeah, what was I happened? right? What happened? Was it really because of the other person, or was it because of me? Ooh, right, big discoveries here. Exactly, <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, Daniel, what do you have going on right now? How can people find you? Are you working on a new project, or you know, what 
where can people find you? Um, most of the time, as you said at the beginning, I'm on LinkedIn. So you find me, uh, Daniel Gasser. I, by the way, just hit 10,000 followers. Congrat- <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> and you find me there. I post daily. I'm hanging around there daily. You find me also on danielg.online. Or as you said before, if you uh, want to get rid of booze, quitthebottle.com. Okay. Um, yeah. That's all what's right. going on. That's my mission. That's what I do. Okay. I will uh I'll link all that stuff in the show notes, uh, where they can follow you on LinkedIn and uh danielg.online and quitthebottle.com. Um well that will do it. That's all folks. Go follow Daniel G. Uh I'm telling you the posts I'm 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 inspired by your posts and uh I you know uh, every time I see one pop up, I'm like, oh, here's the new treat. <laughs> I mean, I'm Thank excited you. to see it. Yeah. So go check it. Check that out. Go check out his website. When you've done that, do that first. But after that, go head over to ZenSandwich.com and you can help support this show. There are two ways to do that there through Patreon and through PayPal. Both work. Uh, and seriously, every little bit helps. I mean, just five bucks, uh, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. It helps keep the lights on for the show. Daniel, it has been a genuine pleasure. I knew it would be. You are an enlightened soul, my friend. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you very much for having me.